um, office out of Cleveland, Tennessee, that today they have marked it and declared it Declaration of Faith Sunday. So that being said, I ask that you just turn your eyes to the screens and... The Declaration of Faith. 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 The Church of God believes the whole Bible to be completely and equally inspired and that it is the written Word of God. The Church of God has adopted the following Declaration of Faith as its standard and official expression of its doctrine. We believe in the verbal inspiration of the Bible. In one God eternally existing in three persons, namely the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the Father. Conceived of the Holy Ghost. And born of the Virgin Mary. That Jesus was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. That He ascended to heaven and is today at the right hand of the Father as the intercessor. That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that repentance is commanded of God for all. And necessary for forgiveness of sins. That justification, regeneration, and the new birth are wrought by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. In sanctification, subsequent to the new birth, through faith in the blood of Christ, through the Word, and by the Holy Ghost. Holiness to be God's standard of living for His people. In the baptism with the Holy Ghost. Subsequent to a clean heart. In speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. And that it is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In water baptism by immersion. And all who repent should be baptized. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Divine healing is provided for all in the atonement. In the Lord's Supper and washing of the saints' feet. In the premillennial second coming of Jesus. First, to resurrect the righteous, dead, and to catch away the living saints to Him in the air. Second, to reign on the earth a thousand years. In the bodily resurrection. Eternal life for the righteous. And eternal punishment for the wicked. So today, we seek to understand why we believe what we believe. Many years ago, they came up with a reason and, and, and a declaration to understand what the church of God ourselves believe. There's a lot of different things in there that we can unpack and unlock. And I want to encourage you to read about the Declaration of Faith on our websites and if you have questions to reach out with us. Because it's an important thing to know why we believe what we believe and what we believe. And that's why I wanted to make sure that video was at least shared this morning, even though that that was not what my message is about this morning. Because the Lord himself has been laying on my heart something so strong for the last month and a half on a message series that we're going to call The Way to Worship, that we're going to go through for a little bit as we understand the importance of why we are and who we are as a body of believers. It's an important thing that we have to interact with because worship is a vital point, a vital part of our lives. In fact, there is a quote that says, if the world could see a snapshot of the worship today, would they perceive that we believe our God is worthy 
of praise. I'll be honest, when I read that quote, it set me back because it's something that's been so prevalent on my heart as I've been studying and as I've been praying and as I've been knocking on on heaven's door every single second I can get onto it. Because the question that we often ask that we don't even realize that we ask is not what you would expect. All of humanity keeps asking one question whether we realize it or not. And it's not the, 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 the thought-provoking question of what is the purpose of life. Better yet, it's not even the question of what is my reason for doing anything. The question that all of humanity asks every single day is a simple one that we don't always verbatimly speak out, but it's always prevalent in what we do and act and our mannerisms. And that question is, what do I worship? What do I worship? It's a random question. It's one that seems so irrelevant in many of our world, or in most of our world today, because they want to look at worship as a thing that they don't do. They think that worship is some kind of only church thing. But the truth is, worship is in every single one of our lives and every single life that's outside of the church. It's something that's so all over the place. And often we overlook what we worship. You see, here in the United States, what I have witnessed and what I have really pondered upon is what do people honestly worship and people honestly worship money. The great old greenback here in the United States or the euro in the European or, or, or the loony up in Canada and all these different places. People worship money because money brings forth something in you that thinks that you can bring forth a provisional need that you have. So therefore, you chase after money and you worship after it with everything that you have. Others, they worship after sex the thing that can give them the most intimate pleasure within their body while they're using somebody else to get it. Others, it's drugs. Trying to numb the pain, trying to get through this life so they go to the same old provivial source where they think that they can overcome it. For others, it's violence. We live in a world right now where in Youngstown, Ohio, people pursue after violence because violence shows forth a, a dedication to something. So they pursue after the need to bring forth it. So they worship the violence that's going on. It's why we had young Amaya die last year who was part of the Valley's Christian school system. That's why we keep seeing gun battles all over the place because people worship the violence that they want to have. Others... They worship after the opposite sex or even the same gender sometimes. Men and women. Because they think that that's going to be their source to bring forth anything that they could have. Others pursue after work. Because if I work hard enough and if I do this, I'll, I'll, I'll achieve a success. Some worship the government. Some worship a political party. 
Some people worship a power or an authority that they want to have. Some people worship material things like an iPhone, an iPad, a computer screen, a TV screen, a video game controller. They worship the things that they think will bring pleasure to them. And others, they just merely worship a goal, a vision that they have for their life that they want to achieve, and if they can't achieve it, then they'll do everything they can to have it. I think it's a sad world we live in where those are the things that we would rather worship because we've lost sight as a humanity, as a creature made in the image of the Almighty God of what our original purpose is. So as we're looking at the question, the way to worship, the first thing that we have to learn to ask is, is what are we worshiping? See, the truth is we were made for worshiping God and God alone. But it gets even better. We are not the only ones that are made to worship the Almighty God and Him alone in all of our lives. In fact, the psalmist wrote it so elegantly in Psalms 148 where it says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from heaven. Praise Him in the highest. Praise Him as angels. Praise Him as hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, you shining stars. Praise Him in the highest heavens. You above, uh, waters above the heavens. Let, the pra- let them praise the Lord. For He has commanded them that they were created and they were established them forever and ever. He gave a decree that it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the heavens, you great creatures of the seas of all depths, hell and fire and so, uh, snow and mist, stormy winds, fully, uh, full of His word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creepy things and flying birds. The kings of the earth and all people, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above the earth and heaven, and he raised up a horn from his, or for his people for praise for all of his saints, for the people of all Israel who are all near to him to praise the Lord. You see, the psalmist was alluding to something that's so awesome. It's that we are made to worship God and God alone. But we're not the only ones that do. Isn't it awesome that that they talk about how the sun and the moon have to worship God? How the the earth has to worship God? How the, the creatures that crawl across the world have to worship God? How the the birds that would go through, soaring through the skies, worship our heavenly Father. How the fish of the sea, how the whales that swim through the ocean, how the sharks who maintain the ocean all do so in a manner and a sense that they are worshiping the Creator. You see, we are called to worship. We all worship, but we have to get ourselves in line to where we understand what we're worshiping. But for some reason, in all of creation, everything worships God except for one point. Humanity. 
Humanity seems like it keeps getting off the mark. Humanity keeps getting distracted by the left and the right with what we worship and why we worship. Because too often we are, we are so focused on the inwardness things of our lives. I always say humanity's got the mind of a bird. Very short. Very short. Because we can go and see God do miraculous things and we worship Him in the awesome moments when He does the great mighty works. But two seconds later, we're back into the mess we were in. I think it's funny that it just seems like it's a perpetualness within all of humanity that that's something that happens. I mean, if you think about it, when we look at the book of Exodus in the first chapter, we see how this responds and re keeps, uh, recirculates through all of humanity. It keeps causing a repetitive pattern in the lives of humanity. And we see this in Exodus chapter 1 after we find out that Joseph who was known as the right hand of Pharaoh in Egypt because he was the smartest man because God gave him wisdom, was forgotten about. In Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, we find that, that this happens more prevalently than we want to understand because it says, Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to the people, Behold, these people are too many for us and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them that least they multiply. For if war breaks out and they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from this land. You see, we struggle because we get so inward focused with everything that we do. We lose sight of what we're worshiping every single day of our lives because of the mentality that we have of what we're encountering in the moments. Pharaoh himself rose up and decided he didn't want to remember about Joseph. He didn't read about him in the history books. So what did he do? He looked, at the reason, he looked and reasoned with his own mind and says, I'm going to do what I have to do to make sure that I keep safe. That's what humanity does in the repetitive notions of our lives. We come into church. We surrender our lives on the altar. We say, God, I surrender all. God, all to you I surrender. And, and, and we think that that's all that we have to do. But then we get out of the church and we start worshiping once again the money. We start worshiping again the ideals that we have for our lives. We start worshiping the ideas of what we think is right. And I think it's funny because... When we look at Scripture, we see it over and over again. We see that over generations that people start losing their heart for the desire to know the truth that's in God's Word. We see that in generations that, that traditions and religious ideals or the pharisaical ideas of the Word start taking root and start taking off the heart of what we're called to pursue after. We see people not understanding who God is. You see, today, I have more interactions with people that like to tell me that God is an evil God. That he's not a good God. That he can't exist because he's not a good God. So, so therefore, they don't want to serve a God like that because they have not understood God's righteous judgment. 
and his desire to be holy and to produce holiness in all of the creation that we are. They don't understand that, that we're all in this mess because somebody at one point in time thought they wanted to be like God. You see, we live our lives in a fallen world because of an angel named Lucifer who was the worship leader in heaven got a little taste for what worship was like and he desired to be worshipped in place of God. That led to the fall of all the angels from heaven who became the demonic forces in this world that want to keep causing humanity, this thing that was created in God's image, to not follow suit with what we were created and intended for. So that's why we, when we read in the book of Genesis, we find that Adam and Eve both desired the same thing that Lucifer did, that they wanted to be like God and know what God knew, and they didn't understand the ramifications that was coming on because they had lost their sight of what worship was. You see, Adam and Eve looked at that fruit and they said, oh, this looks good. I want to be like that. I want to worship this. I want to be like instead of really connecting with the truth that they're called to worship God. In fact, in Genesis chapter 2, what we find is that God designed worship to be done in a manner by Adam as he was working in the garden and spending time in community with God as he walked in the midst of the garden. But yet the dysfunction kicks in because of the inward focus that takes root in our lives you see, we all struggle. The churches that I've been in part of, that I've attended, that I've, I've witnessed, these ministries that I've, I've, I've achieved the, to, to be able to serve alongside of great men and women, I've watched and witnessed people come into church with the mentality that they would rather be served than to understand what worship is. See, I've had people come at me and say, you know what, I'm here, but I don't want to worship today just because I've had a bad day and I just want to sit down and I don't want to be quiet. Yeah, Sister Kelsey, I do the same thing. I shake my head, what? I've had other people say, yeah, I don't want to worship today because, you know what, it's just not my vibe. I don't want to like it. I don't like the music. It's not good. It, I just can't do it. And I'm like, what are you thinking and what are you doing? I've had other people come up to me and say, you know what? I'm just not feeling it because my emotions, I just can't connect with God today because I didn't feel it today. The, the, the drummer just wasn't hitting the point and I didn't feel that thing inside me that made me just connect with God in that emotional stance. And I look and my heart breaks out of people who do not realize what they were designed for. You see, we can't get into what worship is and the way to worship until we really correlate and connect and engage with our Heavenly Father and the proper context that we were designed for. 
We were designed like all of this creation to exalt his name forever, to worship him with everything that we have, to walk in this full surrender where we say, God, it's not about me. Use me how you want to. God, it's not about me, but I'm going to declare that you are a good, good father. God, it's not about me, but you're a mighty, mighty God who can do exceedingly and abundantly more than I ever could imagine. And you loved me enough to see my need, even though I'm not worthy of it. You see, we have to get back to a point where we really connect and engage with this truth in our lives. That, that today, that we have to find our hope is not in ourselves, but in the proper position that we put ourselves with with God. You see, we have to realize that what God is wanting through the degenerations is like what Isaiah 43, 21 says. The people whom I formed, that, were, were, that they might declare my praise. We were designed, and we keep getting the reminders from God through his prophets and through his preachers and everybody that we are designed to declare his praise, not ours. That we were designed to do his work and not ours. That it's not about us, but all about him. That means we need to understand that we aren't God. We aren't worthy of the praise, that we aren't even worthy to remove the sandals off of Jesus' feet ever. But what we are called to do is to let everything that has breath to praise the Lord. The breath in your lung is something that God gave you to exalt his name, to praise the Lord. It's why we have to hold on and understand that that we are those that that fear the, the Lord and that we have to glorify his name. If we fear the Lord, that we will allow Him to allow us holiness to come in and invade the room. And that we start praising Him and praying that He moves on the nations. That they will come and do the same thing that we're called to do and fall into the righteous obedience of worshiping Him. We have to remember that we were made to worship because of who God is. He is worthy of all honor, all glory, all praise. And that means we need to unlock this truth within our lives as we were designed to. It's not always easy to do. We're not always capable of doing it. But that's why we have to remember that the garden experience that Adam and Eve had is not one that we have to pick up on. We don't have to keep going back into the garden saying, I want to be like God. I want to be worshipped like God. But we have to remember the cross is the matter-of-fact point where it separates what we're, we, where the worship begins and where the worship ends. The cross is where you're standing up in exaltion as you're lifting up His name, and it stops where it gets to heaven, and you don't have any say in it because you can't get up there. But you can only sing the praises to the one who's up there. We have to get to the point where we realize that it's a point where we can connect with God and where we can be with Him and not pursue after ourselves. Because only then can we find that a blessed life is one that is filled with praise to God. Abraham was the father of faith only because he learned to praise God, to be obedient to God, 
to walk in a worthy manner of worship to God. Jacob, oh, Jacob, the scoundrel that he was, the deceiver that he was, had to learn who God was and surrender his own selfish desires to see God and to worship him and to find the blessings. And then David, good old King David, a little giant killing David, was unrelenting in his praise in the field and his worship. But it continued on through his throne. You see, church, what I'm trying to get at is, is that our worship has to always be pointed to heaven. It has to be pointed to the throne of our creating God, our Yahweh, our Jehovah, our Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, all of the different names that God has. It has to be driven to him in our full surrender as we allow our hearts to beat for him and not for the things of this world. We have to allow it to be like what Jesus showed us in his earthly ministry as he did not want to have the accolades thrown on him as he was showing us how we are to be obedient and worship God in all sincerity and truth. We need to, as a church, as a body of believers, as humanity, if you're watching this online, as you're in your couch, you have to get to the point where you're connecting with him with everything that you have because that's when the connection of heaven meets earth. That's when it really starts changing. And that's when we really connect, when we're worshiping God with all of our lives and we understand that it's all about him and not about us that we can see that it is written that you shall worship the Lord God and you shall serve him alone and see how it comes into fruition. You see, as I get ready to close this morning, I know it's early. We have to get to the point where every single day we ask, what am I worshiping? It doesn't matter how you worship until that point is first met. What am I worshiping? When I wake up this morning, God, what am I getting myself into? Am I going to get up and only do what I need to do and get through the day? Or am I going to welcome you into the day and say, God, this is the day you have made. Be with me and I'll rejoice in it and I'll be glad. Am I, am I getting through work and I'm getting flustered and I'm getting struggling through the, the idea that I need this promotion? And you're like, God, come in. Whether I get the promotion or not, you get the glory. Or whether it's you're dealing with your kids at home and that you want to go and kill them because you know that kids are kids and you're doing everything you can and you're like, God, I can't do this, but God, I need you to be part of my life and give me the ability to exalt you as I raise my kids to fear you. You see, what we have to realize is worship has to be solely to God. It can't be one of these things where you're all in on one thing and one day and then the next day you're on the other thing. It has to be solely for God every single day of your life. That's what makes the difference. That's what brings the connections. That's what God spoke through the entire love story that this is. Where he loves you so much that he wants you to put your focus back on him so that you can have the relationship and you can exalt his name with everything you have so that where there's a difference, 
There's a reason why change happens when he comes into the room, when you welcome him. There's a reason why I know people that could cuss you up and down in five different languages who would tear you a new one every single day. The second they met Jesus, the second they started worshiping God and God alone, their lives changed and transformed. It's because the life becomes blessed when you realize the connection has to always go in the correlation with him. If we could get to that point and we'd start seeing the difference, it would answer that first question that is so relevant to our world today. If the world could see a snapshot of how our worship was today, would they perceive that we believe a God that we serve is worthy of praise? I want to leave that with you this morning. If you'll stand with me this morning. If the world could see a snapshot of your worship today, what would they perceive? Would they perceive that you worship the saving God, the creating God, the God that has all power and authority? Or would they see you worshiping a false God? If the world could see you today, would they know what you're worshiping? And if the world would see you today, would they want to worship alongside of you? I don't know what you've been dealing with this week. 2024 is already starting off to a bad start, oh, this feels like sometimes. But yet he gets glory. I don't know who needs this this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed. What are you worshiping? Are you worshiping God, the creating God, the one and only true God? Or are you just serving yourself? And today you want to serve him because you feel something in your, your, your body just tugging at you, saying you need to, to get right with God. If that's you this morning and you want to pray a prayer this morning that will help you get through that, you raise your hand this morning. Is there anybody in the house of the Lord this morning? One, two, anybody else? Three? Right now the angels are rejoicing for those hands. Is there anybody else this morning? If that's you online this morning, I see you. Four? Is there anybody else online this morning that wants to do it? Just let us know and we're going to say a prayer. But can I just tell you, this prayer means absolutely nothing if you really don't have the dedication in your heart to follow it through, to serve him with everything you have. So repeat with me, church. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Renew me. Restore me. Fix me in my worship. Because I know Jesus, that you died on the cross and you were risen from the dead to pay my sin debt and to give me the hope of new life. So today, I declare that I'm going to worship you and you alone. In Jesus' name I pray.